You are listening to Subro on the Go, a podcast from Cozen O'Connor's Subrogation and Recovery Practice Group, with discussions and perspectives on emerging trends, developments, and best practices. Now let's get started with your hosts, Dave Briscoe and Joe Rich. Hello everyone, I'm Joe Rich and I'm here today with my partner David Briscoe. Welcome to Subro on the Go. This is a new podcast from Cozen O'Connor's Subrogation and Recovery Department. We're excited about this new platform, which we're hoping will provide those of you who work out in the field and are constantly on the go with um, some short focused segments to help you hone some of your subrogation skills. We're really trying to um, gear this podcast toward those uh, professionals who are working on the go, like most of us. Um, And uh, so I want to introduce David Briscoe, who's going to be presenting this podcast with me. How you doing, Dave? Good, buddy. Thanks. Thanks for setting this up. Uh, for the audience, I'm in the San Diego office of Cozen O'Connor. You know, we've been talking about doing this for a long time. We're, we're really excited to have it come to fruition. Uh, we already have, you know, just a number of platforms where we kind of provide resources to our clients, whether it's webinars, if you want a, a longer one-hour in-depth analysis on a topic that's PowerPoint-based, or our Subro blog and Subro alerts where we write articles on trending issues and new cases impacting Subro. But we really wanted something new for the the professional on the go that was short and informal chat so let's get this first one going yeah thanks dave so today's topic is settlement agreements and then really we're going to be focusing on uh three things that always come up or seem to poke their heads up um indemnity confidentiality and settlement snags surrounding the insured and that's kind of like a mixed bag of things we're going to talk about at the end but we're going to start off first with indemnity and what our hope is is that uh dave and i can kind of give you two different perspectives i'm on the east coast he's on the west coast so we'll have a little bit of uh, east coast west coast rivalry going on here um but what usually happens is you know getting to the dollar value of a settlement is really only half of the battle um the real battle sometimes can be once, you're, once you've got your sights on a range where you think you're going to get the case settled for and you got that monetary range in sight, you have to start thinking about what comes next. And that's really what our podcast today is about. It's those things surrounding indemnity, confidentiality, and sort of the snags that pop up surrounding an insured's potential involvement or actual involvement. Um, you know, it, It's a bit of a minefield sometimes, but... We're hoping that some of the issues we talk about today will give you some pointers to take with you. Um, so, so uh, Dave, what what is indemnity? And I always start with that because you know when I when I engage with defense counsel, they have a different understanding of indemnity than I do. Sure, right, exactly. And this is, as you said, a huge red flag when these pop up in in a settlement agreement that's given to you from the defense. And let's just level set things with with some definitions. Indemnity is simply shifting the responsibility from one party to another. So essentially, the defendant is trying to shift it from the defense to you as the subrogating carrier settling the case. And then defend, when they say indemnify and defend, defend is even more problematic because now you're paying for the defense uh, even before liability has been established. Uh, and so obviously, you know, we always immediately say, no, this is not happening. Um, but, you know, rather than just saying no, you've got to um, uh, really explain yourself. So, Joe, how do you deal with this when this comes up? Um, you know, the when I talk about it with clients and explain what the defense is asking for, I say to them, look, what they're saying is 
they want you to be the insurer for the defendant. If the defendant gets sued again by anybody else, they want protection. Um, and when I go to the defense, whether it's a liability adjuster or defense counsel, I say, look, you know, we're not going to ensure that nobody else is going to sue you for this event. Um, it can be tricky too. I'm, you know, I'm in South Florida. Um, I deal with a lot of condo losses. There's always multiple units involved, you know, and you have to be very careful about agreeing to indemnity and they always try to sneak it in. But I, I try to explain it like that, Dave. I try to explain it like, look, what they're really asking is that you insure them for future claims. Right. That, that's exactly it, um, which we're not going to do. I, I have a two-step approach, which is pretty similar. I mean, one, we come out of the gates and say, listen, the subro industry does not do this. Most carriers um, have policies that they won't sign strong indemnity language agreement. So it's a non-starter. But then, you know, I also want to explain to the defense why you don't need it. Um, you're already getting a dismissal with prejudice of our claim, so you don't need it as to our claim, which is the only thing we have rights to release. Um, and we're probably also releasing known and unknown claims arising out of the incident, so you don't need this. And then as to other claims, which we don't have the right to release to begin with, um, you know, check the statute of limitations. If they've passed, then we try to explain to the defense that you don't need this because there are no other claims coming at you. The statute's already passed, so this is just much ado about nothing and, and, and throwing a wrench in the settlement that's unnecessary. If that doesn't work, then we take the step of, you know, maybe working out a, uh, um, a limited indemnity language where if, if uh, uh, we will indemnify you to the extent we assign our subrogation claim. And it, it ends up being with large companies, they sometimes need indemnity um, language in there to satisfy their client as a company policy, but we water it down so much that it just takes the teeth out of it where we, have, we control our own destiny. Yeah, that, that's a good point. Um, what, what I like to do sometimes, and I have like this stock provision that I use where I, I reference indemnity, but I'm really not agreeing to indemnify them for anything. But if I elect to sue them again for the very same claim that I just settled, and I phrase it a little bit differently, but that, but sometimes just putting something in there to satisfy them will get you over the hurdle. And as long as that something is very limited, like I said, I, I have a, I have a phrase I use which basically says, you know, we agree to indemnify you should we attempt to bring litigation against you arising out of this very same subrogation claim again. You know, well, if you think about it, you've already settled that claim, so you can't sue them again for it anyways. But, but you know, some some people are okay with that. Um, you know, the other, the other types of, you know, watering down mechanisms that you mentioned, you know, um, definitely thinking about putting a cap on the amount um, of indemnity, you know, narrowing the time frame to maybe to when the statute of limitations will expire. You know, again, there are there are ways you can you can really limit it because inevitably, and, and you tell me what you think, Dave, the first provision you get from the defense is going to be as broad as possible. Right. And it's just not happening. And they know it. You know, I've had uh, I've had defendants uh, send us language, we object to it, and they say, okay, sorry, you know, I, I, you know, can't blame me for trying. They knew they were just trying to get away with throwing something too broad out there to see if um, it would slip past us. And so it's not happening if it's too broad, um, and it, it's really not happening unless it's very limited and we control our own destiny. And when you, when you get these provisions, I think some, some key things you can do is ask, like, the reporter-type questions, the who, what, the where, and the how. 
and start thinking about well what are they asking me indemnity you know who are they asking me to indemnify why are they asking me to indemnify and when you start asking yourselves those questions you know you'll probably come up right off the top of your head with ways to water it down or, or to get past it um, so that's kind of indemnity and sort of a brief nutshell for everybody um, but sometimes you can get past indemnity and then you got to deal with confidentiality right dave right and, and this one's to me is is a lot easier to deal with because you know confidentiality should not be a significant hurdle to settling your claim because our goals are, are are really aligned the defense doesn't want this settlement amount and the terms of the settlement to be out in the public and we in the subroom industry have no interest in putting this out in the public we're not taking out billboards or putting up websites that that just say we just recovered from defendant X dollars. So, you know, our interests are, are aligned so we can work this out. The two things I just keep in mind are one, there can't be any consequences if they're a breach. We're not paying the money back. So you've got to look at the language of the confidentiality section um, to make sure there's no, no you know, teeth to it. Um, and then you've got to make sure you carve out some exceptions for financial reporting, tax purposes, reinsurance, government regulations. Just take a moment to think about, well, who is it that you do need to disclose the settlement information to? But otherwise, it should be something we can work out. And this is, this is a good area where knowing your, your client or your insurance company's internal practices is a good thing. Most carriers um, you know, will report the recovery in some way, shape, or form back to the insured or the broker. Um, so I like to put an ex exclusion in there that allows them to share the results and, the, and report it back to those that they would normally report to. Um, I think that that is an important exclusion. And again, the big, the big focus is always on publication. And usually if you are willing to agree to not publicize it, um, I very rarely have found liability adjusters or defense counsel who will not agree to these type of exceptions. Um, right, Dave? Right, exactly. Yeah. And then, you know, you also got to be a little bit weary of, and this tends to come up, I think, more with product manufacturers, but being a little wary when you get language that suggests or even outright, you know, tries to limit what I'll call the institutional use of the knowledge that you've gained in the case. You know, a settlement agreement um, is generally asking for the settlement to be confidential. But when you see terms that say, well, we want you to keep the information confidential, you have to think, well, did we have a confidentiality agreement in the case? Um, and if so, am I bound by that? And if not, do I really want to agree that I'm not going to use the information that I found in the case in any other way, shape, and form? And, and this we could do a whole podcast on the ethical implications of defendants asking you to limit your institutional knowledge, but it's just another another sort of thing to keep an eye out for. Good point. Yep, you're not bearing us, defendant, and you're not bearing our experts because of the knowledge we've gained from the case. So it's not happening. Yeah. So the we're coming into kind of the the third prong of our podcast today, which is you know settlement snags surrounding the insured. The biggest one. Um, and, and, and those of us in the recovery field have probably come across it a dozen times, is either you get a release and it's got a signature line for your insured on it, or the defense counsel says, oh, by the way, I need your insured to sign this. Right, Dave? Right, exactly. And so the issue, you know, is anytime we get into this stalemate issue, we try to explain to them, 
you know, not just no, this is not happening, but but here's here's why I can't do it, and here's why it's bad for you. We we can't we can't release claims we don't have the rights to release. We don't represent the insured when they stick the insured's name in in the release, so we can't release any rights they have, whether it's an uninsured loss or any other claim somebody else has. Um, and, and then also we try to explain to the defense, you know, here's why it's bad for you. Obviously, you know, we've explained why we can't do it, but you're asking me to now get my insured to sign off on this release that's what i'd have to do if you're going to put the insured's name in there and you may want sleeping dogs to lie defendant maybe they weren't planning to bring a claim until we called them asking them to sign a release and so how do you want to handle it you know defendant that's that's usually my approach and, and most of the time they say okay never mind we don't want to you know awaken somebody and say you know do you have a claim that's never something the defense wants to do and they wisen up and say okay we understand you, you can just release the claims you have yeah, and uh, the way you get ahead of some of this is, you know, knowing when you're evaluating your case, you know, what type of deductible does the insured have? Um, are you aware of whether the insured has any uninsured losses? You know, and that gets to kind of like the opening of the can of the worms. You know, you could say to the defense, look, I'm happy to go to them and, and tell them that you would like them to sign this. Um, I'm not their counsel, but I can pass that along. But just know if I do that, they may come back and say, well, I want $50,000 because, you know, I this claim gave me a lot of headaches and I feel like I should get paid. And, you know, when you put it maybe in more polite tones to your adversaries or the people you're dealing with and trying to get a case settled, they tend to back off on it. Um, you know, but if you are aware that the insured has a claim of its own, you know, that even is more of a sort of cautionary signal to you that, look, I shouldn't be doing this and I need to explain to them that I can't do this. Um, and in most jurisdictions, you know, I think you'll find that you can't, you, you know, you can't sign for the insured anyways. Right. Right. And you're going to want to be doing some legwork anyways, in any case, getting information to fig from the adjuster to figure out, did the insured have an uninsured loss? What's the insured's deductible? So you're going to get some insight there anyways as to, um, you know, whether there's there's a uh, claim out there. Um, but uh, Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. And, you know, some, some final just pointers here because we're coming to the end of the podcast. Um, I would just note, look, the way you can control this um, is to get the draft of the settlement agreement out before the other side. Um, if you're able to do that, you can probably get ahead of a lot of these things. That may, you know, you may get a draft back that includes a lot of this stuff. But at least if it, if you're trying to take control of it um, right from the get go, um, sometimes you can get ahead of it. I personally like to just outright tell people if I'm out of mediation and we're about to reach a settlement, look. I'm not going to agree to indemnity. If you want confidentiality, let's talk about it now. Um, my approach is I'd rather put it on the table and then wait as opposed to wait two weeks and get a draft back that has five pages worth of terms we never discussed. Um, that, that's it. Uh, yeah, and that's the list, Joe. I mean, those are the big three, indemnity, confidentiality, and including the insured. I mean, you're, you're right. If you can get in front of it and, and draft the release, that's preferred. But those are the things to watch out for if you get a release from the defendant. So th that's my thoughts. Um, and this was fun. But thanks for the chat, Joe. I appreciate it. Yeah, thanks, Dave. We hope everybody listening enjoyed this. And if you have any questions, you can always reach out to either one of us. And um, hope, hopefully we'll, you guys will continue listening to the podcast. Thanks. Mm -hmm.